Pulp MX Network Production. Welcome to the Pulp Hockey Show with Steve Mathis. Support the show by clicking the Amazon banner on PulpHockey.com before shopping. Follow the show on Twitter at Pulp Hockey. Subscribe on iTunes and find us on Stitcher or your favorite podcast app. Welcome everybody to the Pulp Hockey Podcast. Thank you for listening. Appreciate it. Ferraro 20 is the code to use to save at two under the number two UNDR, the best underwear out there. Many National Hockey League players running it. R.A. Dickey, of course, also a two under athlete. Number two UNDR, Ferraro 20 saves you 20%. Check them out. Also, too, if you want to support the show, there's an Amazon banner on pulphockey.com. Click on that. Go to Amazon, make a purchase. We get a small little chunk of that, and we can afford to... uh, keep this show going review us on itunes get us on the stitcher app blah 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 all that kind of stuff thanks everybody for tuning in with me on the line a former nhl goaltender now working at tsn and uh, and best-selling author jamie mclennan what's up noodles how are you not much how you doing today thanks for doing this and i made up the part about best-selling author unless you are i don't know did the book i actually am yeah i think okay. in canada I, I think there's a certain number you hit in canada yep. that makes it a bestseller and i do believe i hit that number nice so. nice the uh the best seat in the house it's a couple years old now but maybe we'll sell you five or six copies from this podcast <laughs> <laughs> there you go that'd be all right <laughs> the, the worst thing about your book is well a couple things it's too it was too short it really was and i and i know you have some stuff that you left on the cutting room floor that just would have been epic yeah, that, that's the hardest part is it's, you know, for me anyways, um, you know, you know, a lot of things, I, I call it behind the curtain mm-hmm. and, you know, there's, and it's not about being, throwing anybody under the bus, but it's just some things are, are better sometimes left behind the curtain. I'll give you an example. Like, um, remember we, we watched 24 seven and I love right. those 24 seven episodes where, you know, you see behind the scenes and how it works in a dressing room. And, and I just remember the outrage of, of people <laughs> right. being upset at Bruce Boudreaux because he was swearing. And I was like, I, I like, I'm like, Oh my God, I could never tell a story because <laughs> right. that's all I do is swear. And, and, you know, I'm on the show called Leafs lunch every day and we tread the line of almost swearing every day. Like it's just, mm-hmm. you know, cause it's, it's, it's locker room talk. And sometimes you forget that people who haven't been in that a locker room, you know, that's how people conduct themselves. So, you know, I, I, I thought it was a fine line. What I tried to do in my book as well was put myself there. Mm-hmm. So if I'm going to put a bullseye on somebody who's, for example, out drinking and smoking, yeah. it's not that I, I'm sitting there going, I'm better than this person, because chances are I was the guy right with them. So, yeah. you know, I, I, what I did is I, I, I put everything on me and what I experienced and what I saw and yes, there's a lot on the cutting room floor that, you know, I decided not to go with in the book because, you know, ultimately I, I didn't see an upside to it other than, you know, maybe just people talking about player X and not celebrating their career, but, you know, learning a, a story that probably doesn't shed <laughs> proper light on them. Put it, let's call it that. Yeah. Did you, did you uh, run some stories by these guys before the book and did somebody say no? You don't have to tell the story, but did, did a hockey player just say no? I had one um, guy just saying, can you <laughs> tone it down a bit, put it that way? And right. I was like, yeah, no, no worries. Right, and right. I don't even remember if actually the, the story made the book, but right. I, I, had, I had one former teammate saying, uh, it just doesn't. And in, in knowing him, he's a very um, – private guy and he's a, uh, in his personal life but he's very public he, he just said uh it just wouldn't shed properly the light so <laughs> i uh um and i i agree yeah. with him and actually i i will tell this uh, whose name it is and he actually no i should because yeah, that way it's, no uh, you can't let's keep it Go let's on. keep it behind the scenes just but t- ultimately I, I i did have one guy say no it's not it's it's not for me it's either iggy or pronger no, actually, I oh. swear to God, okay. it's funny when I, when whenever I bring something up, everyone knows of my relationship with Chris Pronger and Jerome McGinley. Yeah. and Jerome's going to be a Hall of Famer. Chris just went in last weekend. Like, um, 
So I will say, you know, a high-profile person, mm-hmm. and immediately it's like, oh, it's a Gintler, or it's Pronger. And, and I'm right. like, they are the farthest. These two guys are the farthest thing away from my shenanigans. So I laugh. Uh, right. You know, it, 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 it's, you know it, it's usually – and then the, the, the number three is always, well, it's Kippersoft. Yeah. And, and, and I'm like, yeah, maybe it could be. Usually it is Kipper, but it's, in, in this case it's not because Kipper really doesn't care. He doesn't care who knows – what he was up to. Right. He enjoyed his life. He was a great goaltender and we are still very close to this day. But uh, yeah, no, it, it, it's funny. Every little story that I hint to like, ah, this guy didn't <laughs> like this. They're like, ah, it's Iggy or it's, it's, it's prong. I'm like, no, actually it isn't. That would be my move. Um, yeah. I just, I love the book. It was great. It was just too short. I, um, I, I wanted more when I ended seriously, when I, I read it on a plane, and I think I read it uh, over to going to Europe one time, and it was done halfway through. The, I'm like, well, that's it? It's done? I read it like one <laughs> sitting, you know? But anyways, um, and reading it, too, uh, uh, actually, last year, I went to Tem- Tempura, Finland, where he's oh, really? from. Yeah, I, had a, I went and covered a motorcycle race there. Um, so, yeah, I kind of read your story about going there and everything else, and it was kind of kind of neat. Wow. Boy, they, well, I'll tell you, there's that's it's really interesting over there, and... You know those guys. They train hard. They train very smart for their for mm-hmm. um, I call it like position specific, right. you know, especially goaltenders. But you know they enjoy their life too, and it's, and it's it really interesting to to get to know the culture in Finland. I I loved it, and uh, you know even a guy like Vesa Toskala, who is a kind of a lightning rod, or yeah. you know in 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 Toronto, um, you know Mika and Vesa are very close. So we had. We had a, a night one time where Vesa was with this uh, race car driver named Kari Raikkonen, I believe. Is he's like a NASA? I think he's like a Formula One. That's what it yeah. is. Yeah, Raikkonen. And, and this yeah. guy, yeah. yeah, and he makes like a ton of money. And uh, you know, we ended up having a, a late, we we'll call it a late night, <laughs> Did, but it was more like a couple days worth of uh, uh, of fun. So it was it was fun. But this, uh, I, I didn't. I you know I don't follow Formula One, but right. it just by by the way this guy was conducting himself, I I was saying, man, this this guy must be very famous and and, oh, and he's, wealthy. He's and, huge. And, yeah, he's the biggest deal and, ever. Right. And that's exactly uh, the way that the night went. So it was fun. We had a good time. <laughs> Did you go to the bar with all the dead animals on the wall? And it was like <laughs> it was like Miami Vice, and then there was all these animals on the wall, and it was really dark. It was a really scary bar. I, I, I believe I did because I, I remember there being, I don't know what it's called, like paparazzi or something, and it was, and worrying that that Mika and Vesa were going to be not in a great light. Right, you know, somebody right. somebody snaps a picture and yeah. you know and, and you know it's not that anything was being done. It's just if you're of course say you're sitting yeah. at a table and having a couple of drinks and somebody's got a cigar. Yeah. Well, that that doesn't project well in right. the middle of summer because, you know, we all say it's a, what is it, a, a picture is worth a thousand words. Right. So, you know, if we're sitting at a table and there's a couple drinks and there's a, somebody smoking a cigar, they immediately tie it to, oh, this this guy's right. not committed to training and he's not this and that. So, yeah. Uh, that was my whole worry when we were sitting in that bar. But not for yourself. <laughs> you were fine. No, I don't care. What, 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 I know. Judge me. Right, I know, right? <laughs> Jamie McLennan out drinking. Everybody goes, okay, so? Yeah, what's the problem here? Well, that, uh, They'd be more concerned if I wasn't. Yeah, that Kimi Raikkonen owns a motocross team now, and he loves motocross, and so I cover some races that his team is at. He doesn't show up very often, but when he does, he helicopters in. Not really allowed yeah. to. They're not really. The media is not really allowed to speak to him. <laughs> He's a very, very big deal. But um, yeah. hey, uh, congrats on the. Uh, now, obviously, I'm, I'm a Maple Leaf fan. Grew up in Winnipeg, but love the Leafs. So yeah. uh, living in Vegas here, I, I get the uh, Leafs Lunch podcasts or the. On, I listen to it live sometimes. And yeah. I, I mean, obviously, it's Leafs Lunch, so it probably scares a lot of people away. Um, you know, you're kind of the neutral guy on that panel. <laughs> the other two yeah. guys are, are Leaf fans, but r- realistically, I. I I think people should give it a chance, even if you hate the Leafs, which there's certainly a lot of people that do, because it's not 100% Leaf talk. It really isn't. And uh, no. I think it's a great, honestly, it's a great show. You three, I think, have something something there. Well, we've got chemistry. Yeah. And, you know, there, there's, we get along, we're friends. Uh, I think the host is outstanding. Brian Hayes does a really good job of, you know, and he's got a really good hockey background like as far as knowledge like he Mm -hmm. he played junior hockey 
uh, and then got into broadcasting. So he's, you know, it, it's, he's kind of got it twofold. And then Jeff O'Neill and myself both played. Um, I'm different because I grew up in Edmonton, Alberta. Mm-hmm. I did not grow up a Leafs fan. I couldn't care less about the Toronto Maple Leafs <laughs> right. growing up. I just tried to beat them. That's it. Yeah. And I, I was a guy who never had a favorite hockey team. Even when I played, or I'm sorry, when I grew up in Edmonton, really, huh? they, yeah. they won four Stanley Cups. And what I did was I had favorite players. Grant Fear was a favorite player. Mark Messier, you know, those types of guys. But I never had a favorite team. And so I get to Toronto, and Jeff O'Neill is a he, he played for the Leafs, right. and he's I, he's a huge Leafs fan too. So you know, some days there we get into yelling and screaming because you know they 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 don't allow rationale no, to, no, to, get, they don't. to get into their thought process <laughs> because they get so excited as, from the the fan you know side or point of view. So I guess maybe I'm a little bit more of the you know calming voice there because right. I don't I really don't have a you know, a, a, a leg in the fight. I, I just, I, I talk about hockey. Everyone knows, like, I'm a, I'm a passionate hockey fan, but I love the game of hockey. I mm-hmm. mean, I'll talk about An- An- Anaheim as much as I'd like to talk about the Leafs. It's just, um, and on that show, I mean, we will, sometimes we're 30 minutes into the show and we haven't talked about hockey because yeah. we're talking about somebody smoking in their car with windows <laughs> right, up. And right. like, you know, who knows what we, we yeah. end up, Sometimes the mics go on, and just like you and I, we're just BSing, and all of a sudden uh, uh, we start laughing and having a good time. So it's a, it is, it's a good hockey show, and yeah, it's Leaf centric, but ultimately, you know, we talk everything hockey and pretty much anything that you guys, if you're sitting in a basement or sitting at a bar with your friends having beers, mm-hmm. we basically, you know, to yeah. me, that's. We try and bring our our fans and listeners into that that type of setting without obviously um, swearing, which is the the only thing missing from our show. I think <laughs> pretty much, and, and it's great because it's real. It's, things get heated. Yeah, you know, not so much yeah. you. You're the guy trying to calm everybody down, but you know, it gets heated. There's some opinions. Uh, there's some hard questions asked. It's not a fluff show. You know, I mean, uh, there's some stupid questions asked, but that's funny. You know, and oh yeah, and all in all, I th- <laughs> I think it's great. It, and Ferraro's on there almost every day, and I really I think the yeah. world of Ray. And his opinions and and uh, and O Dog is just insane. So he's like the wild yeah. card where you never know what he's going to say. And there yeah, you go. He's, he's very talented. Like the O Dog uh, is is a talented broadcaster because he doesn't have a filter. Yeah, and I think sometimes. But that's that's what sells in this business. You know, Jeff's been there. He's been an elite elite hockey player, and and now he's you know he's landed mm-hmm. back in Toronto as a as a fan and I you know I think Jeff is is you're right he's a wild card on the show right. Brian drives drives the 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 bus and I'm kind of a guy who just kind of brings a, a little bit of both I've got stories and I've got you know my hockey knowledge and that type of stuff and played and you know so I think it's it's kind of it just works it works yeah. for our group It's really funny how you anything to do with hockey or movies you know it but it, NFL, <laughs> I, it seems like you're making it up sometimes, Noodles. You're like, who's that? I swear to God. Who's that? And I'm just like, come on. Come on. No, you, I, yeah, well, it's great. It's funny. So I was – now, I, you hear names. I mean, I'm on Twitter quite a bit. So the people that I follow or whatever, mm-hmm. they'll be talking. They'll be live tweeting like, I can't believe <laughs> – J.J. Watt just dropped that or whatever. Right. I'm like, okay, I've heard the name, but yeah, like, yeah. I don't, I didn't know who he played for. I don't know, like, like I, I swear to God, there was a, I, I laugh about it to this day. Like last year, there was nothing on the schedule other than one game on a Friday night, mm-hmm. and it was the Edmonton Oilers Buffalo Sabers, <laughs> and I can't remember. Um, I think there was a big event or something on a Friday night. Like, I, I don't know what it yeah, was. Yeah, I do, baseball I do remember but, this. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I watched that game. Like, I, I watched it. And Hayes was like, are you like, are, are you insane? And I'm like, what do you mean? And I'm like, well, you know, I wanted to watch Edmonton. I think Buffalo's coming. Like, and I literally watched the game. And right. he's like, you didn't watch, you know, whatever it was. Yeah. Like, I don't know, World Series or something. But no, I, I there's certain things that, I'm passionate about, but, you know, I also just try and, I mean, I watch a lot of games. Like, <laughs> I, right. like last night, last night I was on the panel doing the Leafs game, but on my computer, I have the NHL.com quad. So I've got the four games 
I've got four games dialed up on my computer while I'm watching the late Leafs game as well. Crazy. And then you can, <laughs> you know, you, you just, to me, I, I love it. Like that's, that's kind of my passion is, is hockey and, it, and movies are a release. It's an entertainment business. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, 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 you know, I, I, I lead a pretty simple life here in Toronto. I've got a wife and a kid, but, but ultimately, you know, to me, when I'm during in the season, I feel like if I haven't watched a game that night or, or who know who's had a good night in that, I feel like I haven't done my job. Right. So rare, rare, it's rare. Well, I'll take a night off during the season. I'll just try and hone in on, you know, maybe a mm-hmm. matchup that I haven't watched and I'll say, geez, I haven't watched Arizona play this week. Like I should watch Arizona play on top of maybe some of the other games. So it's nice. I'm, I'm a, I'm a night owl as it is. So I, I'll watch an Eastern game and then if there's a central game and then a, a Western game, mm-hmm. so you either get two, two or three in a night, depending on the overlap. It's great living here on the West Coast. Uh, Four o'clock yeah. start and then, you know, 7.30 start or whatever. It's awesome. It's, uh, it's great. The, well, the, try, try, sorry to interrupt, try yeah. being the analyst, though, when <laughs> yeah, good 7.30 <laughs> starts and, and decides to go into a 10-person shootout, and we've got to tape an hour show after, after. that. So yeah. it, it gets a little sad. But other than that, it, it's awesome. You're right. I think the Super Bowl was on, and they were bugging you. They said, hey, Noodles, like, like Anaheim Columbus is in the afternoon or so, and you were like, yep, I'll be there. I'll be there. I'll watch it. And you weren't even like, like, you're like, yeah, yeah, that's what I will watch. You know? And they're just no, like, like dead serious. Yeah, they're, like they're, dead serious. They're like, you're an idiot. But you're like, whatever. I, I am an idiot. Whatever. Um, Hey, let's let's touch on a couple things in the news uh, going on right now. And I did a podcast with Darren Pang earlier, and I think he's going to lose his goaltender union card when we talked about the size of the equipment because he is all for uh, making some changes. And, of course, that's the big news right now. Goal, size of goaltender's equipment. we we got to get some more goals in the game. I'm a guy on the couch, so, you know, I don't – you know, you can tell me I'm full of crap or whatever. In my opinion, I fully believe we got to get some more goals. we got to make this game a little more entertaining – and I think uh-huh. the size of these goaltenders are a little silly. Uh, Ray got called out by Ryan Miller there. That was exciting. Yeah. And um, where do you stand on this as a former goalie, as a goalie coach, everything else? Um, where are we at? Do, do you do you want to see bigger nets, or do, do the equipment is no. there room for the equipment? I think there's room for the equipment. Um, I think bigger nets are a uh, to me a, a final straw type of thing where they get, it, they exhausted every avenue. And and what I mean by this, there's I, I talk about it daily, and I, I, I think from a, from a goaltending standpoint, it's tough to say, well, everyone's bigger and stronger and faster in today's game. Yeah, they are. Like there's, right. there's, there's no debate about that. Um, it's, it's not Pekka Rene's fault that he's six foot five and, mm-hmm. and moves like he's five foot ten. Um, what my first and foremost concern is is safety because people say well you only face 30 shots or in a game or 35 but like for me as a backup i face between 500 and a thousand shots a day mm-hmm. so safety is a concern for me in today's game especially with the amount of uh money that teams are putting into uh players mm-hmm. so you know if i'm talking to mark bergevin for example and saying geez you know I'm going to limit Carey Price's size, but if there is, you know, some soft spots there, you know, maybe you can lose the best player on the planet, you know, or right. if, 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 if an injury occurred because of limitations. So that I'm going to just say that that's, and, and, and I don't think anybody wants to see any, anybody hurt. Right. So that's, you know, that's, I'm going to preface my comments by saying safety should be the number one uh, factor involved. And now let's look at the size. So, to me, I said this the other day, Ryan Miller and Carey Price shouldn't look the same in the net. Right. Ryan's, 100, Ryan's 170 pounds. He's tall and he's thin. Carey Price is 6'3", 217 pounds. He's, he's thick. He's got a lower mm-hmm. center of gravity. Like he's, he's got big legs, mm-hmm. and he, he's got a bigger upper body. So naturally, if I stood, I, I don't want to, you know, pick on too many people, but you know, if you stand, if you stand two players side by side and, and one is a, an 18 year old, let's say, uh, who's a tiny guy. Like it's like, I'm trying to look more at height, but right. if, if you stand, stand two players beside each other and one is, you know, six to 220 pounds ripped, mm-hmm. he, sh- he shouldn't have, he should look bigger than the guy who's six to 
170 pounds, and gear gear shouldn't be the equalizer. What what it is is like if if Dustin Bufflin goes into the corner with Johnny Goudreau, right? Like, what do you expect? You expect him to come out with the puck? Yeah. But Johnny Johnny Goudreau shouldn't get gear that helps equalize the playing field. Yeah. So what, what Johnny Goudreau has to do is he's got to be either more skilled or smarter or quicker, but right. he has to use some of the assets that have helped him get to the National Hockey League. So how I want to tie that to the goaltending is that um, I, I'm not saying limit like inches and inches. Mm-hmm. I, I think that we're, we're, if you're looking at the body, I, I don't really have an issue with the pads. I have an issue a little bit where the the pads, they guys wear them on top of the boot, right? But they don't. They, it, so that helps give you a couple inches in the five hole. But where where the issue for me is the pants and the arm and chest, and it's not massive issues. What it is is you're allowed ten inches across the front of the the hockey pant mm-hmm. for goalie. Right. Ryan Miller hasn't done anything wrong. Ryan Miller is is is. He's living up to the letter of the law at the National Hockey League level. And he's a guy who actually helped implement sizing and gear. So I will, I, I'm going to defend him a little bit that way because, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think a lot of people are picking on him. Yeah, because but, of Ray. It's because of Ray's fault. Well, <laughs> listen, Ray's great. And Ray makes a very valid point, though, because yeah. Ryan Miller should not look like Carey Price in the net. Yeah. But what I'm saying is if, if he had more contoured gear, so – Nowhere on the body is anything squared off. No. So why why on the shoulders are they squared? Um, on the arms, right across the the elbow, on the front of the elbow, it's squared off. You're allowed, I believe, seven and a half inches. If you had more contouring, where you looked at a body and you could tell the body type. Now, again, in today's world, there there has to be companies that could build very protect, protective stuff that are more contoured to the body. So all of a sudden on the pants, like we're, we're, you're supposed to get 10 inches. If you look at a goaltender, a picture of a goaltender, the pants sometimes are wider than the pads. Mm-hmm. Well, that, you know, and it's because of the material. Um, and the league is trying. They're, they're trying. You're allowed 10 inches on the front. So if you actually use the formula pi, you know, 3.14 yeah. circumference, He's, they should be allowed about 32 inches, sir, you know, around the leg. But what 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 happens is guys will cut them in the back. They get wider. They start to flare. The way the guys wear them, yep. it's, it's it's like a barrel instead of tightness. Yep. Um. So you know, a lot of it is you get the gear. It's legal, but then yeah, it's, it's not it. modifications, but it's the way you wear it. Yeah, because everything's and, signed off by Kay Whitmore before it goes to these guys, right? Everything's signed. Absolutely. Yeah, so, and, yeah. and Kay does a very good job, and it's and it's and it's streamlined. But to me, it needs to be streamlined, contoured to the body. Mm-hmm. So, for example, I look at Ryan Miller's body type, and he's tall, he's lean, he deserves more padding on his legs, where lengthwise, because he's got a longer leg. But if he's got a thinner leg, I want to make sure that his leg is protected all around, but right. it should be rounded, rounded and contoured within, you know, mm-hmm. and if, if, Ryan, if Ryan's pa- pants are eight and a half inches and, and Carey Price's thighs are, 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 you know, 12 inches, that's an advantage for a God-given right because Carey Price's legs are bitter, yeah. bigger. So those are the things. Like 20 years ago when I first started in the NHL, the biggest goalies in the league were Olaf Kolzig and Sean Burke. And they were big, and they they were both about two twenty five, two thirty. Mm-hmm. So here's me at six feet, one hundred and eighty five pounds. They they should be yeah. you know b- look, look bigger in the net because they are they're physically bigger. Eric Lindros used to run over that one hit. He hit Paul Correa through the middle. Right. Paul Correa, Paul Correa's tiny. Yeah. Eric Lindros was a beast. He used his size to his advantage. So. Me, I needed to use my positioning, my my talent to, to stop pucks where some of these guys could use their God-given size. That's their right. So I don't want to take away from a guy like Robin Leonard in today's world who's 6'5", about 240. Yeah. He, he, he needs to cover a lot of net because that's one of his advantages. But to me, Jonas Enroth, who's 5'10", 166 pounds, 
He should not have the same arm and chest as Jonathan Quick, who's 6'2", I think, about 220. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's where... And I get a little bit frustrated watching. I mean, I'm watching all these Twitter wars right Right, now online. And, you know, they're saying, well, you know, it's, it's, look at what Ken Dryden wore in that. Well, it's such a ridiculous comment because, okay, so Ken Dryden was six foot four Mm -hmm. and he wore old pads that had deer hair. Like in today's world, they're saying, well, he never got hurt. You don't know that. Call Ken Dryden up. <laughs> those guys said, those guys yeah. had bruises everywhere. Like, it, it was just a different game. Back then, Bobby Hall was the, was the guy who could shoot the puck close to 100 miles an hour. And everybody there freaked is, out. Yeah, everybody freaked out. Right. Exactly. There are guys, there are fourth-line guys now who could shoot the puck 90 miles an hour mm-hmm. and he- heavy shots. So I, I come back to the safety argument. I'm not talking about uh, – I'm not talking about injury. What I'm talking about is surface coverage that is not needed. And people are attacking like the the glove and the blocker. I don't think there's a lot of wiggle room. People are like, oh, the cheater. Well, listen, the cheater actually helps on the back of the hand because if you actually adjust – Sometimes it's tough to catch up to a puck. Right. So I will play play the puck sometimes, and it hits the back of my hand. I better have some. I, I better have some padding there, like mm-hmm. or you can break your hand. Like yeah. I, I don't worry about. I call them the extremities. So the arms. I'm not too worried about the arms and the gloves. I'm more the worried pads, about yeah. the, tr- the right. trunk. I'm worried about the trunk of the. If it's like a tree, I'm not worried about the branches. I'm mm-hmm. worried about the the actual trunk, and that's where we can get more. I think you can open up. A couple inches each side easily, and then on the arms, rounded arms, that type of stuff where you're, you're seeing a more contoured body. And, and once you see that, that's, to me, that is one step in the right direction. Um, I know I'm getting long-winded, but Ray had a, a, a great thought about maybe the European rule of, of you know, getting to the front of the net. Guys, you know, the foot in the crease is going to take away some of the goaltender mm-hmm. interference. So you blow it. You have that international rule, and you blow it outside, and, and guys will learn not to get to that blue paint. I went a step further and said, why not go back to the, the smaller creases, the squared-off creases? Right. Be- because what's happened is the blue paint has gotten to be the benchmark now. So what, as a goaltender coach and as a, as a player – you're always taught as a goalie, play the top of your blue paint. So what happens is I come up to the top of my blue paint now, and then I start to adjust my angles from there. Sure, right, if, right. If, if, if my crease is deeper by six inches, maybe the top of my blue paint, it keeps me a little bit deeper. And now what do we do? We start looking at the law of physics and saying a deeper goaltender gives up more net. Yeah. And then if you've got more contoured gear, you're going to see more holes. And, and it, it may translate only to maybe a half a goal a game because goaltenders are really good. But maybe that half goal helps, you know, from an entertainment mm-hmm. standpoint, that's a start. Like, to me, these are the types of things that, as a league, uh, you can be looking at before you get to the ultimate, you know, last straw, if they think, okay, two, three inches on each side or however, yeah. like adjusting the size of the net. Because now it's gone to the argument um, – it, what's the entertainment value? Is is it really a great game when it's seven five and just because they're scoring goals, or are you more concerned about scoring chances? Like how exciting is three on three right now? Right, and great, yeah. and they're, they're scoring in seventy percent of them. So it, it's not that the goaltending gear isn't really an issue in three on three because they're scoring. What the translated thing is is scoring chances. Mm-hmm. So. You know, I think there's a lot of factors you could bring in if you had some rounded gear, maybe shallow crease, mm-hmm. uh, you know, shallower creases, um, you know, penalties where you could serve the full two minutes instead of just, you know, a power play. So teams, you know, you've got to find a way to open the game up um, scoring chances wise. So we had Roberto Luongo on our show today, and he, and he I thought he nailed it. I, I thought he said, you know, he said as a fan and as a, as a player, he goes, I think scoring chances either equate to more goals or they equate to more more entertainment. More entertainment, because right? You, yeah, you're seeing either a great save or a goal, and and you know he I, I thought he was right on, but you know you can start in certain areas, but for 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 people to just go, this is the problem, 
and this is how you fix it. I, I, I don't know. I think it's still a work in progress because I'll say this is the last thing because I'm getting really long-winded on it, but is the, the most improved position in all of pro sports, and we already prefaced my comments here no, saying I don't know any other sports, but I'm guessing <laughs> yeah, yeah. is the most improved position in any sport has been the goaltender over the last 20 years. And it's because it's a coached position Mm -hmm. Uh, in the middle of the summer when players are working, they're at the gym working on, you know, squat jumps and working on, you know, stuff to get stronger and their core and that, you know what goalies are doing? They're, they're working on technique in the net and working on how to stop pucks. They're, they're doing a lot of sports specific training for their skill where players are doing sports specific training for their bodies so that they can help. So, Hey, I'm, I'm doing, you know, parachute runs so I can be quicker to skate. Yeah. But am I, am I doing that skill development so that am I studying a goaltender and saying, this is what a goaltender does on a wraparound play. So I, me just trying to jam it in, isn't going to work anymore. I've got to understand where the soft spots for goaltenders are. And I think education comes with that where goaltending, I, I think that's where goaltending is, has been ahead of the game is you, you like, I went to a symposium this summer in, mm-hmm. in Madison, Wisconsin, there was 103 goalie coaches from all over the world. Jeez. And they were sitting, they were sitting there talking about um, how to stop shots. How do we, yeah. what do we do in, in, in this area? Um, and it's not like, Oh, what is Steven Stamkos going to do when he comes down the wall? It's like if, if shot X comes from this area, what are the what is the save selection? Where's it going to go? Arrive, right. Yeah. How, how yeah. do we arrive at that? To me, goaltending has become a really um, technical game, and and there's a lot of video. There's a lot of uh, uh, you know. I think what happens is conditioning and stuff like that has been focused on after the technical mm-hmm. aspect, whereas in hockey. They're the other way, conditioning, skating, stronger, faster. It, it, the skill development or just the actual puck placement of shots in that has become a little bit secondary. So that's another thing that we could throw into our argument. Yeah. I, I, I didn't want to – exactly what I have in my comments here is that if you watch any old games, and I, I'm dorky enough to watch them on my app, um, you know, I don't want to pick on Kirk McLean, but – He'd never survive in today's game. You know, it was just such a different game. And those goalies were great. And I want to get into talking about Fuhrer in a little bit because he's just an all-timer. But those goalies right. back then, are they just – I don't know if but they weren't – yeah. it's, it's not their fault, though. No, no, no. Yeah, exactly. You know what I was, but you know what I was taught growing up? Stay on your feet. So when you stay on your feet, mm-hmm. I mean, you and I could watch a game from the 80s right now and Wayne Gretzky would come over the blue line. He would change his angle and take a slap shot back across yeah. the grain and score on the ice inside the post. <laughs> Every single and, time. And, yeah, it was crazy. And, and, peop- and people would go, oh, my God, what a shot. And the goaltender would be 15 feet outside his crease, standing up, and he would <laughs> kick at it, and it would go in, and he would fall down, or he would, you know, right, he would just right. look like, oh, my God. If that happened, I got into a – an argument the other day on Winnipeg radio, they were saying, well, you know, goaltending like back in the eighties. And I said, well, hold on a second here. I said, let me ask you this. You're a, you're a Winnipeg jets uh, station. Mm-hmm. So I said, if Michael Hutchinson starts tomorrow night and Johnny Goudreau comes across the blue line, changes his angle and takes a, a half slap shot on the ice inside the far post. And Hutchinson stays on his feet and kicks at it with his left pad. I go, are you not talking the next day about a horrible goal that he allowed yeah. and that Hutchinson should have been pulled? And I said, that's got nothing to do with the greats, the Grant Fears, Kirk McLean's, Mike Richter's, uh, Billy Smith. I mean, they were amazing for their generation, mm-hmm. but the game has changed. So, you know, integration, like that's when, when people talk about it, you're comparing apples and oranges because like back then, it would have been so easy to go, well, why didn't he just butterfly? Right, uh, what's he right, doing? Right. You know, a young, kid, a young kid's probably going to watch, you know, uh, a, a game of me making a skate save and going, what the hell is this guy doing in the net? He played <laughs> right. in the NHL. Yeah. And, and, that's, and, and it's funny because it, I, I, I can't stress this enough. It, it's not a disrespect on the guys of that time. That's what we were taught. 
That's literally what we were taught. Stay on your feet, you know, control rebounds with your stick into the corner and stuff like guys, guys, they, they, they look at saves differently now. And that's coaching, that's technique, it's been progressive work. And, and that's something that, you know, I don't think gets brought to light as much. Yeah, I agree with you. Maybe we blame the Allaire brothers, right? Well, I mean, they, they started it, yeah. but now it's funny. It's funny, though, people are getting away from that, I call it blocking style. Right. See, James, James Reimer is a guy who's recently, in the last couple games, isn't, he's making saves. He's not getting hit by the puck. And to me, there's a difference. Um, the way that the Allaire brothers teach, a lot of times some of their guys are in position, they get hit with the puck, and they build that wall. And mm-hmm. I always think of a guy like Jaguar, yep. when Jaguar won the con Smythe. He would build a wall, and they would, they would fire three pucks into him, and he would just sit there. He wouldn't fight for the rebound. He would just sit there. So his save percentage was high, but you know, ultimately you know, it's a different style. Now – you're looking at the great goaltenders, and the one thing that they have in common is that hybrid style. They're athletes, mm-hmm. um, and they make saves. They, they want to control rebounds, and you know, they're thinking sometimes past the original shot of where is my puck placement going to be after that first shot. So there's some you know, the yeah. talented. Will always, uh, when it comes to goalie gear or whatever, the best will always be the best. So if somehow it's adjusted, if 900 is the best save percentage, it wouldn't surprise me if it's the same cast of characters every year again. You know, the Lundqvist, yep. Rick, you, you know, you name it. The, right. the, the, the most talented Pecorani, the most talented goaltenders are always going to be the most talented goaltenders. They'll find a way to stop Pox. You know, as a fan of the Leafs, I, I never really uh, – Brian Burke brought in Benoit Allaire? Which one? I, I forget oh, it, was the, Francois, it was Francois. Francois. Okay, brought in Francois. Yeah. And he tried to turn Toscala into – you know, into Jaguar. And I think Reimer was the same way because Reimer was there when Burke was there. And do you believe in like, you can make any goalie teach a style or if you, are you more like Reimer, like Reimer makes me nervous. He's stopping it right now, but he's kind of all over the place, but he's stopping it. But do you believe you can make a goalie take any goalie and, and adapt them to a system or or are goalies just going to be what they're going to do? I call it every goaltender has a toolbox. Mm -hmm. So, I'll, I'll, I'll just bring it back to me. I, at 31 years old, I believe, I worked with a, a goaltending coach named David Marcoux, who is actually Carolina's goaltending coach now. Mm-hmm. Very bright person, very uh, big student of the game, um, excellent goaltender coach. But how is, you know, say I worked, and he's a French-Canadian as well, mm-hmm. so he was kind of under that Allaire bubble. Right. So how, how if he says to me, Okay, butterfly and build a wall. I'm going to say to him, Dave, I don't have a clean butterfly. Yeah. My, I, didn't have, I didn't have the hip flexibility to have a nice butterfly. So all of a sudden we're working from a position of weakness instead of a position of strength. So for me, a good goaltender coach identifies what the assets his goaltender has and he maximizes them. And then within that skill set, he says, you know, I think you can try this. I think you're, you know, in the, in the newer, newer world, mm-hmm. if, I, if there's a thing called a reverse VH, if I don't have a clean reverse VH, why am I doing it? All I'm going to do is cause myself more problems. Right. Whereas a guy like Marc-Andre Fleury, um, my understanding is that he picked it up in about 10 minutes and was like, man, this is going to work for me because I'm really good down low. I've got the flexibility. It opens up lanes so I can identify traffic in front. And, you know, there, there's things that guys can add what I call adding to their toolbox. And you look at these skills and you go, man, this guy's really good at this. And then you look at other things and go, no, there's no way it's going to work for me. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, to me, that's a sign of a good goaltender coach. So, yeah, you're right. Vesa gets to Toronto. Vesa's a veteran guy. Mm-hmm. Short, he he's Francis, shorter. You know, he's a shorter he's five, dude. 5'10 yeah. and a half. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and Francois goes, I, I need you to butterfly and do this. And he's going, that's not going to work for me. Right. So the, the relationship was a little bit strained. And I, I know a little bit because we had Vesa. We traded for him when right. I was the goaltender coach in, in Calgary. And the one thing I identified right away with him being a shorter goaltender, I said, I don't like the way you carry your glove. I think you need to show your glove more because you are a smaller guy. And when a player goes to shoot, take a, a peek before he shoots, 
if you're showing glove, maybe it forces them to go somewhere else. So that was the only thing that I talked to Vesa about when mm-hmm. he came in. Now, I only worked with him a couple months, but he was great to work with, and he played very well for us behind Kiprasov. Mm-hmm. But, you know, for my thing, I was more – I just – I identified a couple things where I thought maybe this is where I attack. And this is where I – attack is the wrong word. This is maybe where I nip and tuck right, right, and yeah. say, try this. This is what I see. Try this. Where, you know, I'm not going to say, yeah, you need to butterfly here. And he'd be like, I'm 5'10". I'm going to be, I'll be giving up too much net. Yeah. So I think a good goaltender coach identifies the tools that the guy has in his box. And then he modifies them or he adds, you know, a nip, nips and tucks here and there. Jamie McLennan from TSN uh, on the uh, Pulp Hockey podcast here, uh, pulphockey.com. Subscribe on iTunes. Uh, Noodles, um, another question for you. Let's get back to the Leafs a little bit. So, obviously, Bernier is going through some tough time right now, and I'm not judging him on this as a guy, as a fan of the Leafs. I loved loved the trade when they got him. I thought this was going to be the answer. Uh, a little bit like Scrivens, uh, you know, maybe a little bit like um, – um, Martin Jones, who I think the Vert is out on right now, the Quicks backups, you know, over the years, we're not exactly sure. And maybe Cam Talbert's fighting a little bit too right now, where yeah. everybody kind of he looked better in a smaller role, let's say. So, but I still thought Bernier with the draft, where he was drafted and his skills. I think uh, Ron Hextall. You talked to Ron Hextall, your old teammate, about yeah. him a little bit. He, but even though he's going through a rough stretch right now, I'm not judging him on that. It hasn't worked. At least I don't think so. And Reimer's, no, Reimer's back. Um, it, can it still work, or is is it just is Bernier just not going to be the guy that a lot of people thought, including myself, um, was going to be? Is, is he, I mean, you always said on the on on your show on Leafs Lunch, they got to play sixty five. They have to, you know. Yeah. I, I, well, I don't know. It's a pro. It's a process. So mm-hmm. let's let's take a look at Cam Talbot. Cam Talbot played thirty six games last year for a president's win, president winning trophy team. Mm-hmm. In the New York Rangers, played behind arguably one of the best defensive cores in the league, and he played in a, a stretch of games where he got really hot and, and played very well. Mm-hmm. He's he's got a, a really good skill set. Um, I like him. He's six three, handles the puck well. His mm-hmm. reads are good. Um, when he's on his game, he plays a quieter game. He's not chasing the puck, and and you know pucks come to him and they 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 die. His rebound control is pretty good. Now he gets to Edmonton and. You know, I don't say what you will or what they paid for him on a price. I don't think it was that much. Right. But ultimately, you know, he's going to be an unrestricted free agent. They're dying for this guy to be the number one. And what, what people are tying their or wrapping their mind around is, oh, this guy had amazing numbers in New York. Mm-hmm. And, and guess what? He's looking up and going, yeah, Justin Schultz is in front of me. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. You know, Andrew Ference, who's a close friend of mine, but Andrew's near the, the end of his contract. Right. Um, you know, he, Edmonton's system isn't tight. Todd McClellan's working on it, but he's got Yakupov skating around out there, lost in his own zone. Like, they, you know, it's, it's, it's an adjustment. So that's what he has in front of him. Not to mention, hey, you've got to play three games in four nights in three different cities, uh, three different buildings out west. Time zones, yeah, teams, or whatever, right? Yeah. You know, like just a lot of different things going on. So it takes time to learn to be a starter. And I, I say, ask Braden Holpe who just broke through playing 70-plus last year. Right. Ask Corey Schneider. Corey Schneider, I believe, in New Jersey last year, they started him 21-plus games or something in a row. Mm-hmm. I think it was 19 or 20. And he had some bumps along the way. And what happens is he's got – now, I think Schneider and Holtby are both elite goaltenders. So what they've done is they've arrived from their skill set to back it up mentally mm-hmm. and show that they can handle it. Bernier has a skill, a good skill set, but mentally he hasn't been able to back it up. And from a consistent factor, mm-hmm. from an injury factor, and the fact that the Leafs have been a disaster in front of him, you know, yeah. even up until I guess these last last few games, I get the, you start to see the structure kick in a little bit of Babcock system. But mm-hmm. it, it, you know, now it's a mental struggle for Bernier, and it's not getting easier for him because Reimer's playing very well. And the organization is saying, okay, now what do we have in a 27-year-old goaltender? But the challenge is, is he's trying to grow on the job, and there is always like a goaltending battle. So 
you know, I don't know if he'll ever realize his potential or if his potential is, listen, I can give you 45 games in a season, but I can't handle the workload of a, mm. of a number one elite starter. And that's, you know, that's what, to me, I keep saying it daily. That's what the Leafs need to find out. James Reimer, he's having a great run. And I love James Reimer's demeanor. I love yeah. his likability. Um, yeah, seems but, like a great guy. Seems like a nice guy. He is. Yeah. But his skill set is, is, is good. He has a good skill set. And, and, you know, by all accounts, Bernier, when looking at him and, and watching him, he has a different skill set that Reimer. I thought, I thought there was more potential to grow Bernier's mm-hmm. skill set than Reimer's. That's, that's not a slight on James Reimer. You maximize what you have and a little bit more. That's all anybody could ever ask of you. So we're seeing Reimer in a real nice groove. Jonathan Bernier hasn't realized his potential yet. I don't know if it'll happen in the city of Toronto because now you get behind. I mean, you know what it's like. You you watch this market. It's you get on. You get in the doghouse, or you get you, you know you get in people's minds. Mm-hmm. They they get preconceived motion, notion of what this guy's all about, and now you're you're fighting an uphill battle. So um, I now you're gonna be Larry, I, you're gonna I, be Larry Murphy next. Right, like well, and that's the hardest part, is because <laughs> yeah. you, you know, poor Larry Murphy just went on to win two more cups and be right. in the Hall of Fame after he left Toronto. So, yeah. you know, it, I, I, I get, I get defensive of it because sometimes I wish you could just jump into a little time capsule and say, you know, allow the guy to go through his growing pains. It's not going to happen every night, but here in, in a market where you're under the microscope, you're in a fishbowl every day. People watch your practice and. If you didn't have a good practice, well, what's wrong with him? Well, sometimes you don't feel good. Yeah. Like uh, yeah. sometimes I just wanted to get through practice. So, you know, I, I, I think there's potential there. I just don't know what the ceiling is, and that's concerning in in a situation where your goaltending, you know, with a team like this that isn't overly talented, mm-hmm. uh, you you have to um, your goaltending has to be a difference maker. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with Jonathan Bernie. And for me. The biggest test now is between the ears because he's got to come out. He's got to bounce back from bad goals, bad games. It happens to everyone. Mm-hmm. And I want, to see, I want to see some fight in him. I want to see like, hey, you know, I'm not giving up this net. I'm not giving up here yet. Like I've got lots more to give. And to me, that's where I think he would get the benefit of the doubt from a lot of people. Yeah, I think over the years too, like, and goal, you, you certainly – yeah, you sound like you're passionate about goaltending. You're super smart about goaltending. Um, but to me, like whether it's Damian Rhodes or Bernier or Scrivens or Talbot, a backup success can never – you can never really look at a backup success and be like, oh, if he just had a chance. That doesn't – to yeah. me – I mean, I'd like it to be that way as a fan. Like you're like, oh, if you just give him a chance. Well, sometimes – like you said, these guys are backups for a reason. You well, know? Yeah. And, I, and I don't think there's any shame in it. I right. was yeah. one. Yeah, no. I mean, there was, times where, <laughs> there was times where I was giving, given an opportunity to run with it, and I faltered. And it, whether it was mental, if it was physical, if mm-hmm. I just didn't have the skill set to maintain it, there's no shame in being a good goaltender. Like I, yeah, I, no, absolutely. I, right. I, I, I say that all the time. But, you know, in today's world, everyone just, well, you know, this player is no this. You're always looking, you know, I don't know if that's a societal thing. Was you're always looking outside and going, geez, if we just had Drew Doughty on our team. Well, yeah, there's 29 other teams or 28, you know, because Chicago yeah. could use him, but they like Duncan Keith. But the point being is you're sitting there going, geez, if we just had that guy, you know. And, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, you're yeah, right. Yeah, right. We just had an elite, like I, I'm – I'm a huge Pekka Rene fan because I think I look at skill set and he's mm-hmm. got it all. So, you know, I look at goaltenders and what, well, they're no Pekka Rene. Well, Nashville has one Pekka Rene, like, <laughs> right. you know, and, and it, it, it's, we get caught up in our mind looking outside and going, well, he's no this. Well, maybe he's just what he is. Right. And is, is that a failure? I, I don't know. I, I just, for both of these goaltenders, including James Reimer, I want him to maximize what he is. So if he is a 35-game starter who can give you short-term starter minutes like he's doing right now and, and, and be a, a long NHLer, a, a guy who, who can mm-hmm. you know, be a, a 1A on a team, that's great. But what, the minute that you start going, okay, James, well, you played 35. Why don't you try 55? <laughs> right. And, yeah. and 
maybe he maybe he has a great season he's able to do it but then all of a sudden the, the next year can he do it again can he do it again i mean devin dubnik is a prime example he he struggled early with the oilers on a bad team goes to care goes to sorry goes to arizona mm-hmm. and the system helps him out he he rejuvenates his game he goes to minnesota plays a very tight defensive game and you know, he's up for the Besna. Yeah, so people crazy. are saying, oh, my God, how could Edmonton let go of this guy? <laughs> right. I'm like, did you go back and read your comments if you're an Edmonton Oilers fan of how Devin Dubnik was the cause of this whole debacle back there? But they forget. Yeah, yeah. They just see, they see him now and going, oh, my God, we let this guy go for nothing. And I'm saying, well, he, didn't, he wasn't developed enough back then, and, and he was playing on a bad team. Now, Devin's had his struggles this year. They're winning games in many, but like yeah. they're they're outscoring some of the issues. Maybe Devin is a, a fifty game star- starter, yeah. but he's placed in a situation to have success. Where you know you 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 look at another guy, or the two guys here in Toronto, maybe they're capable of of, of giving you a little bit more if um, their team was a little bit better as well. So you know, I I, I think there's there's a lot of it's a fine line, but. You know, for me, I look at skill set, and then I look at okay, the team you're on and stuff. Because yeah. you know, the be- the best players will always be the best. Well, I I think too, like as a fan, okay, like there's 30 teams in the NHL. There, I mean, honestly, to me, I just this, I didn't write this down. So there's what 10 guys? Let's say there's if is there even 10 goalies in the league that are elite? can win you games on their own and do it year after year after year. Are there even 10 of them in the league? I think there's, you know, I, Maybe? I think there's, yeah, it's a thin 10. Okay. Uh, depending, depending on whether you think a guy like Barlamov or Bobrovsky. Well, I, yeah, because, I, w- I would say no, you know, because they, they, right. they had great seasons. but They've had, but have they done it every year? Yeah. Have they had injury issues? Like, I mean, or, are there, you know, are that's there, the problem. Are there 10 teams that just don't even look at their goaltending and think, we're good? I don't think, you know, there probably is 10, like you said. So I think there's, I think there's seven. Okay. I, I don't right. want to name them all, but, like, yeah, yeah. you know, in L.A., you know Quick's going to play and, and almost money in the bank that he can knock on wood for health, but right. he can give you 65-70. Uh, Roberto Luongo, his, all he does is play games every year consistently. He's 36 years old. Pekka Rene, all he does is play. Henrik Lundqvist. Like Kerry Price, so I named five. I think maybe I go. And, and, I go Rask. And, I think I go Rask, even yeah. though he's struggling a bit. But no, I know Rask, yeah. Corey Schneider, and Braden Holtby. Okay, those are the ones that I. Those are the ones that I would put money in the bank and go. The the general manager is not worried about the goaltending yeah. position in these areas. Um, I could throw Corey Crawford in there. I know he's a lightning rod. Yeah, but I I'm pretty close to that Chicago organization. Um, I've got some friends there, and they love Corey. Yeah. They love they love his they love the fact that he wants to play every night. He has shown durability. He's shown some erraticness, but uh, but he's he's a guy that um, the guys love to play for. So he's another guy I think is he's a. It's interesting. I talk to a lot of goalies in the league. They're like, man, does he get a a rough ride considering how what he's done? You know, yeah, go, yeah and, and how good of a goalie he is. So. He's a guy who's on that. I guess if you had to say, maybe a layer, you know, a, a, a layer in there. But you know, so there's what do we name eight, nine? Yeah, yeah, we're like, about eight or nine. Exactly. And then, and then we're starting to reach. You know, I, I'm sure I'm missing somebody, mm-hmm. and I'm, people listening to this podcast and going, "You dope! You forgot about this guy or this guy." And I, I apologize. I know people are big Steve Mason fans because of his even strength save percentage. Um, I, th- I think Steve still has a ways to go. Um, yeah. Like I, I think he's a, I, and that could be because of his, he's had some injury issues. So, you know, but, but again, we're, we're not talking about money in the bank. No, we're, a lot of organizations. Yeah, I'm talking a grant fear back in the day or, or any of these guys yeah. where you never, I don't want to trade them. I don't, there's almost nothing you can offer me to trade them. I'm not looking yeah. for a one. I don't even care who the backup is. You know, like you right. said, there's maybe 10 of these dudes. Um, yeah. And, and yeah. so that's a hard, that's a, it's, it's, it's really hard. If you're a GM of the other 20, right. you're trying to, you're trying to find, one of these dudes and you know easier said than done who's uh in your eyes either an underrated goalie or an emerging goalie i know um you're big on uh vasileski um yes but 
who's the next guy? Who is that it? Or is uh, there a guy that you just? No, I like, mean, you know, I, I I've seen guys that are not in the league yet. A kid like Thatcher Demko, who's a draft pick of of uh, the Vancouver Canucks. Mm-hmm. Um, Allmark in Buffalo has a chance to be pretty gar- darn good. Now he's playing some games for them. Yeah, now. he's in there. Right? Um, yeah. I think he's a little ahead of schedule in, in where they think he would be. Um, you know, I don't see a lot of AHL games and stuff, but mm-hmm. um, I know Colorado is, is high on Pickard, right. um, and he's tw- 23 years old. Um, how about, you know, how about Rito Barra right now, too? Jeez. Well, yeah, but the thing is, is I think Rito's 29, isn't he? 28, 29. Like, yeah. So, you know, you, you know, what is your window? Yeah. And, you know, he's played very, very well. But, you know, what is the window for a guy like that who's played well, but maybe he's, you know, this is also a guy that literally Patrick Waugh called up Picard and played him 16 games around Red O'Bara last, <laughs> last yeah, season. Last year, right? yeah. So, you know, so that's, that's, a, that's a tough one. Um, I like, you know, the, the kid, Matt O'Connor, who signed in Ottawa. Yeah, the free agent. Tall kid, right? And he's huge. He's a big guy. Yeah, yeah, big. But he's got some movement. He's got some. Uh, some skill there um, that that I, I think that there's some potential. Um, you know, I I, I don't want to give up on guys like Talbot. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's I think Talbot is has got a skill set. Now, can he harness it? I don't know. Is it is he come? Is it still too early in Edmonton to to for him to turn a corner with the team? I don't know. But right. you know, that's a guy that I would keep my eye on. Um, I'm trying to think, like, just off the cuff, young goaltender. Markstrom is a guy in Vancouver who's interesting for me because he, I think he maybe got pushed in a little early in Florida. But I was going to say, like, if he hasn't done it now, do you think he can still do it? Because, yeah, he, he was given but he's a only shot. he's 25. I guess, that's yeah. That's the thing. Right. Like, that's the, that's the challenge. We think some, like, we think some guys are, well, you know, he can't do it anymore. And then you're like, Oh, he's only 25. Like I was telling somebody yesterday, we were laughing about it on the phone. It's amazing how when somebody breaks into the league at a younger age, um, now all of a sudden they have an off season and you look and you're like, ah, I don't know if he can do it anymore. And you look and he's like, hey, he's 24 years old. Right, and you're like, right, yeah. like, I mean, a guy like Taylor Hall and Jordan Eberle, they broke in at 18. So you're starting to go, ah, you got to move past Hall. And, you know, if you're an Edmonton, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you're like, what? Wait he's a minute. Only, yeah, he's like, He's a young guy. Like, yeah. So it's um, in goaltending terms, I think you're see, starting to see guys start to hit their stride between 25 and 30. Um, I have a, you know, I, 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 I got to go on air here soon, but I've got a quick philosophy on how, how the, the curve is for goaltenders. Say you draft a goaltender at 18. Mm-hmm. And we're seeing goaltenders get really good at what? 25, 26. Yeah. So, you're almost you're on a six to ten year window. Like when did Carey Price get really good? Twenty four years old. Yeah, there so, was a time where people were like, ah, Price. We're not sure. There really there was. was a huge, yeah. huge argument in Montreal whether to keep Halak right in two thousand and ten or Carey Price. Mm-hmm. There was a huge argument. You're right. Yeah. And mm-hmm. but that's like guys turn a corner. But my, my point is the develop, developmental curve. If you draft a guy at eighteen, you're literally looking at three contracts by the time the guy may have arrived mm-hmm. because your entry level contract, maybe a bridge contract. And then maybe, you know, then he arrives at 24, 25, depending on his skill set. But if it's say it's an eight year window. So at 18, eight years later, he's 26 and he finally gets it mentally and physically. That's a huge, like think of the fan base and how frustrated you would be right. with yeah. a guy like, oh, he's not ready. He's 25. Oh, dog would have been I mean, yelling already about him weekly. Oh, yeah. Believe me, tra- <laughs> he would have been traded 10 times and, and he can't play. Yeah. But it's funny because people forget of what Detroit did with Jimmy Howard. Oh, that's another guy I should throw in. Peter Morazic is going to be a star in this. You league. think, yeah, you think so, he's, you think yeah. he's a real deal? Yeah, I do. I yep. do. So that's uh, sorry about that. But, um, Think of a you know a guy like Ryan Miller and Jimmy Howard. They both played time in the minors, mm-hmm. and I think I think Ryan Miller may have played three or four years in Rochester before he arrived. Now that, that's that's some some development. So I, I you, you take a look at it. Mm-hmm. I you know you have to be patient sometimes, and you have to have the right 
you know, the time for guys to come up and be comfortable. And Markstrom is a guy in Vancouver who has a chance. I think Morazic um, is showing how special of a player he is, and there's just a lot more upside there. I mean, they're going to have some decisions to, you know, what, maybe play another year with Jimmy Howard and then try and right. move him. But I, th- I think Morazic's going to be a really good goaltender. So, you know, it, it just that developmental path, like think of it as a 10-year window. Yeah. So you're going to draft a guy – and now Carey Price was different. He arrived yeah. at 23, 24. But Luongo say, was different too. You know, Lou was Lou right. came in right. But you're right. But say he's, you know, say he's a Pekarene. I think yeah. Pekarene got good at at around 25 years old. So true. If, if you draft if you draft him at 18, uh, if, yeah. If you draft him at 18, then you you literally you seven years later mm-hmm. you're trying to sort this guy out. Yeah. Jamie McClendon, thank you. Uh, we got to go. We got to do another one. Will you promise me another one? Uh, I got Grant Fear questions. I got a lot more stuff. Um, I, we, we definitely have another one in us. Uh, like the original book, we'll come up with, we'll, we'll come with a following uh, chapter. The, we'll the, make it work. The Grant Fear Game 7, give me one, boys, is just an epic story <laughs> that I want to hear. Um, fantastic. TSN, uh, Jamie McLennan, former NHL goalie. Thank you for your time on the Pulp Hockey Podcast. And, uh, yeah, we got to do it again. Uh, thank you very much. I appreciate it. No problem. We'll talk soon. Thanks, Jamie.